Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Follow the host of Locked On Bucks, Kane Pittman, on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Fast and easy. I'm Cyrus Austin. You can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow. Kane, I'm so stoked we're doing this. It's a crossover. I love how you started this when we were communicating. You're, you said it's going to be a crossover of the last two champions. <laughs> I love that. That was a good approach, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty well. And I thought about this. We did a crossover, I think, during the regular season. And, and I'll be honest. I remember at the time, and I remember this specifically. We were talking about our chances, and I think certainly from a, a broader standpoint in the NBA, the Bucks were assumed that they're definitely a championship contender. I think the Warriors had their super hot start, cooled off a little bit. And I remember you were talking about the Warriors, and you're like, I think we're winning the title. I think we'll beat anyone. And I, and I think I either said it to you or I just thought it to myself. I thought, this is some crazy confidence this guy's got. I don't really understand this. And not because I didn't think the Warriors were good. It was just so definite and so matter of fact and then here we are six mm-hmm. months later you won the title so credit to you for that well, was, <laughs> we didn't do a crossover i was actually a guest on your show and i was flattered that you brought me on and i think you brought me on because um the warriors had that ridiculously hot start they were eight they started 18 and two yeah. uh, i think they were about to play each other for the first time as well and then um and then you know at, at christmas after christmas day they were 27 and six i just what you know what was crazy to me man is that and this echoes like really the sentiments of the Warriors team and players in general, because even though the Warriors had one of the greatest five-year runs in history, you had Stephen Curry at, at 33, you had Draymond and Clay at 31. I know Clay was coming back from the injury, so there was some concern there that was valid in my opinion. But overall, I mean, this was a coaching staff. This was a core. Kevon Looney was part of some of those championship teams that were not, they're not like old. I mean, you know, I don't hear people talking about Kevin Durant, who's turning 34, as someone whose days are past them and stuff. But for some reason, that was the attitude that was given to these Warriors just because for two years, you know, the the first year was clearly injuries and just pure apathy. I think everyone realized they had to take a year off after a stretch like that. And then then the second year, they just had no talent. It was Stephen Curry. It was Draymond Green. uh, Andrew Wiggins still hadn't really discovered himself. And, like, that was it. Kent Bazemore was one of your starters, for crying out loud. You're relying on guys like Brad Wanamaker. Uh, James Wiseman only played, I think, uh, 37 games. Don't don't quote me on that, but it's close. So the point is, like, that Warriors team the second year just had no talent. And then I saw, you know, I saw I knew Clay was coming back. I, I saw I saw Otto Porter Jr. Uh, I, you know, I just, I don't know, man. And I, I looked at the landscape, and you're right. Everyone looked at me like, like who is this guy just making this, this like, brash yeah. – prediction and i'm like looking at everyone going did you guys just forget what happened for five straight years like i just didn't see the the talent i didn't see any of it just fading away i i i thought they had it in them and you know it's it's, it's all i mean i'm not notre Dame's man i mean it was a guess <laughs> we're all guessing here but um so and then let me ask you this and I, and I love asking all people this why did you think the warriors like why did you not see him as a championship contender what about them gave you and so many others pause uh, I don't think I'm surprised that they won the title. 
um, for the reasons that you outlined and not necessarily the guys that emerged, but, but the guys that were already there and the guys that had been there. Uh, the big reason was I didn't, and remember, we'd gone through a pretty, when I say we, I shouldn't say that, but Milwaukee went through a series with I'm the same, yeah, I'm the same yeah. with the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> you beat through a series with the NBA Finals with the Phoenix Suns through six games. That was a real battle, and there was a lot of different scenarios that could have changed that series. So you, you could have been talking about the NBA champion Phoenix Suns. So, yeah, the easiest reason for me to say is I didn't foresee the collapse of the Phoenix Suns in the second round. Mm. So that's that's number one. And then okay. number two, uh, yeah, we've all watched Andrew Wiggins for a long time. And if you talk about different franchises, and I've spoken about this a lot on Lockdown Bucks, but different players in different organizations are able to get the absolute best out of themselves. And I'm pretty confident if Andrew Wiggins wasn't traded to the Golden State Warriors, but he was traded to, let's say, the New York Knicks. Yeah. He wouldn't be the player that he is now because he hasn't had the direction, he hasn't had the coaching, he hasn't had the leadership. I also think that applies to a guy like, and by the way, I, I think this this player's mentality is completely different, so maybe it would have shone through anyway, but GP2, a guy that Bucks fans know very well. So I think organizationally, the Warriors are very sound and they can get the best out of players. And I look at the same with the Bucks with guys like Bobby Portis, Pat Connard, and these role players. So I probably didn't foresee the, the finals that Andrew Wiggins had or the playoffs that Andrew Wiggins had. No, it did. No, the it real did. importance that <laughs> no. Gary Payton uh, the second would play. I didn't foresee that emergence. And then Jordan Poole was a bit of a wild card, but being able to kind of flip between, okay, tonight's a clay game, or tonight's a Jordan Poole game, ultimately was pretty handy. Yeah, and and the Suns thing, uh, I consider them a, a legitimate threat until Christmas Day when the Warriors and Suns played in Phoenix. And both those teams were were playing for reals. Like, you know, regular season games, as you know, there's a lot of nights where the urgency is just not there. You don't see that top flight performance you see in the postseason. But that's Christmas Day game between those teams matter to those players, uh, just simply because of the message that they each wanted to send to each other. And the Warriors went into Phoenix and just stomped them. They just creamed them. Uh, and then I look back at the history of Stephen Curry and Chris Paul, and I do believe there's a psychological angle to this, that if one player consistently beats the other one time and time and again – that that plays something in that in that other player's head, and Curry owns Chris Paul, man, and Chris Paul for all the regular season accolades, uh, you know his postseason resume just is not is not something to be proud of, man. It's he's laid a lot of eggs in the postseason, and so I just saw that. I saw the way you you guys handled them. I mean, you the Bucks broke them in those mm. NBA Finals, man. They were beating them two nothing and just lost four straight. And I, I just I, I just those are the three things I looked at. I was like, you know what, this Suns team. They're not going to be the ones that beat the Warriors. In fact, there's only two teams I was worried about legitimately. Well, three. The Grizzlies, I thought, were the second best team in the West, uh, which, again, was not a popular take. Most people still kind of look at me like, whoa, really? And I'm like, well, the record indicates it. And also, I do think the mm -hmm. talent. Um, but then this on the, in the East, the Celtics and the Bucs. Uh, do you think, first of all, by the way, that, like, would the Bucs – It's this is probably an obvious question, but just to put it on the record here – if uh uh what's his oh, geez, what's his name uh, uh Chris Middleton I'm sorry if Chris Middleton plays they're the Eastern Conference champions correct I mean that's a safe assumption what do you think I thought uh Mike Budenholzer said it best so the answer is yes but I think Mike Budenholzer said it best and after this I think it was after game 7 when someone asked him because it's a very obvious question to ask and he said Honestly, I don't know if there's any point answering it because nobody cares. And I thought that was a great answer because literally nobody does care. And if you're a Celtics fan, you shouldn't care. 
but we've obviously spoken about it on this podcast. Like to me, it's just obvious. I mean, he he was the one guy, if you go back to last year's postseason run, that continually hit all the big shots from the perimeter, game after game after game, had a 40-point game in the NBA finals, had multiple 35 plus point games when the Bucks are in trouble against the Nets. I mean, it's it's obvious to me. And that's part of the trick of trying to win a title. I mean, these playoffs yep. go for so damn long. Yep. And the unfortunate thing is, it's not even like it was, and same with uh Gary Payton, I should say, which was a obviously a, what we would describe as a dirty player, non-basketball play. Um, but for Chris Milton, he slipped on a on a wet spot, you know, and that and that could have potentially be what cost the Bucks back to back titles or certainly NBA uh, finals. So it's a shame. It's a real shame. Absolutely, man. And, and, and in all honesty, I do think it matters to Bucks fans, right? I mean, I do think there's a point of pride that that knowing that your team would have at a minimum been in the NBA finals if not for a freaking injury, right? And they stink. <laughs> Um, and when you look at uh, Middleton's numbers real quick, I, sh- I feel like I want to do a show one day where it's just a list of the most underrated players ever because Middleton, or at least, you know, in currently playing, just because Middleton, I think, is, should be right at the top of that list. This is a player that av- routinely averages over 20 points a game. Uh, he's routinely getting five to six rebounds a game. He's incredibly efficient. He's usually in that high 30s, low 40s, shooting from three, uh, solid field goal percentage. Um, you know, he averages over five assists a game the last two years. I mean, that's that's not something to, to scoff at. I love Chris Middleton, man. He's not a small player either. He's he's uh, solid as a defender. You're right, dude. I do agree that if he plays, uh, it's Bucks Warriors. Let's let's say hypothetical here, real quick. If they do play, you re- do you think the Bucks beat the Warriors in the finals? What what, what would have been your prediction? Well, I think you probably my biggest question for the Warriors would be who the hell is getting in front of Giannis Mm. I don't know what the answer is to that and maybe you know you can put up a a bunch of names but I'm not sure yeah we've seen what he did to a Phoenix team that actually had a number of big bodies that you thought could have done something and they just weren't able to so that's the biggest question mark for me Uh, but then also you got a pretty handy player on your team that can also drop 45 to 50 points on any given night so I don't know I just think that I just think it's a shame that to this point uh, we haven't seen, and I know Giannis is a little bit younger, so this is the reason why, and the Bucks have only really just emerged. But I do think it's a shame that to this point, we haven't seen Giannis versus Steph, and we haven't seen Giannis versus LeBron. One of those two matchups in the finals, and maybe LeBron now, maybe he's you know, 37, 38, but I still have hope that we can get Giannis, Steph in the finals because I, I think they're two of the most popular players, two of the, uh, certainly with the kids anyway, as far as I, as far as I can yeah. see. It would be a... It would be a fun matchup. I agreed, and and uh, in just a moment, I'm going to answer your question about what the Warriors would have done with uh, with the best player <laughs> in the NBA, in my humble opinion. That is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, but first, we got some bills to pay. First off, we got two of them because you're running your show on a Friday. I'm doing it on a Thursday. So let's talk about our favorite protein bar, Built Bars. These things are yummy. What is your favorite flavor, by the way? Like, if you your top choice. Yeah, so I like all the coconut flavors, which, by the way, mm. I think is pretty controversial take. I always get 50-50 takes on this, but uh, all right. for me, I'm into them. All right. Yeah, you know, have you tried the granola? Because that's what I've been hyping up. That's become my favorite. I haven't. I'll have to get that. Okay, board. so I'm all in on the granola. And, and again, there's so many flavors to choose from. If you just go to built.com, you could order like a sample pack where you get nearly all the flavors, eat them all, decide what you like. Uh, Kane, I'm guessing you got the, the, the sample shipping as well as I did of the birthday cake flavor. That feels like it's cheating. I don't know how that only has like four <laughs> or five grams of sugar in it. 
Uh, but the point is, pro Built Bars are incredible. You can find the flavor you love. Again, granola is quickly shot up there. I think it's like chocolate peanut butter is what I'm all in on. But there's a wide variety of flavors. And they're packed with protein on average 17 grams. And it's collagen protein, which is even healthier for you because your body absorbs it more efficiently. And they also provide a lot of other health benefits as well. And again, only four to five grams of sugar, low calorie counts compared to candy bars or pretty much any other uh, snack you can you can uh, uh, munch on. And again, if you're trying to lose weight, I've had listeners tell me it is the best snack for if it's late night and you're hungry. Because again, you're not consuming a lot of calories. It's low sugar. But with those 17 grams on average of protein, you feel full. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is LOCK15 uh, for 15% off at built.com. We've got another sponsor, right, Kane? Uh, we do, betonline.net, which is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And uh, speaking of lines, I got, I don't know if you got this in your email inbox, but I got the betonline net win over and under totals for next season and i found this kind of fascinating uh right. the bucks and the, the bucks and the warriors are actually both at the same over under or the same plus minus for wins and losses at 51 and a half which i don't know how you feel about the warriors but for the bucks i found that staggeringly low agreed i i to me the win loss overs for a regular season are one of the funner things to bet on I absolutely agree with you. That's in that's in uh, a solid over to bet on, just because Giannis doesn't take the regular season off. I mean, he is he's. I mean, the numbers he puts up, the effort. Uh, you guys got some great free agent additions this offseason, which we'll talk about in just a second. I say yes to that. The Warriors. I'm going to ask you first, man. Like, do you like the over under? And what are your thoughts on what I said about the Bucks too? Yeah, I think that's about. I mean, t I would I would assume both will be over. I mean, I look at the the roster of both teams and I, I assume they get to fifty easily. So I, you know, the fifty one and a half feels pretty low. They're actually fifty four and a half last year. The Bucks then they got to fifty one. I remember Brooke Lopez missed basically the entire season. They had yeah. a few different factors there as well. So I, I would imagine if I had to guess, I would have thought it would have been closer to fifty four and a half, fifty five and a half. The interesting thing for me is that the Boston Celtics actually have the highest line in the NBA at 53.5, which I, I I don't know. I'm not sure about that. We know they started last regular season slowly. Uh -huh. uh, and the other team that stands out to me, the Clippers, 52.5, and, and that's banking on some health. I would go so under on that. If I, if my numbers are correct, Ty, uh, Ty Lue, as a head coach, has never won more than 47 games in a regular season in his entire career. So for you to come here and tell me that the Clippers are going to win 52, 53 games, if not more, based on a Kawhi Leonard who hasn't played in a year and a half, uh, something like that, right? Uh, based on Paul George, who has an injury history. Yeah, I think the under is a fantastic bet there. So I hope we just made people a lot of money. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I, I certainly hope so as well. Check it out at betonline.net. Uh, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. That's betonline, uh, where the guests are. Beautiful. So I'll tell you who's going to stop Giannis. Draymond Green, man. Look back to the look back to the first round of the playoffs for the Warriors. They played the Denver Nuggets. And Nikola Jokic is one of the biggest handfuls I've ever seen in a player. Uh, Kevon Looney, who had a fantastic postseason, was rendered worthless in that Nugget series. He could not stop Jokic for the life of him. Draymond Green could. Draymond Green is just – look, no one's going to stop Giannis. I mean, he's, he's, he's an incredible force. Uh, he's an incredible player, obviously, future Hall of Famer and then some. 
But Draymond Green is in the discussion for among the greatest defenders in the history of the game, not just recently. And when the the, the moment matters, uh, especially in the biggest moments, he does step up. So again, I, I don't know for sure, but I do think Draymond Green would at least pose some problems there. Um, look, I, I really think we might see that that matchup this year, man. I, it wouldn't surprise me. What? How's your off season gone, dude? Like, who have you guys picked up? Like, like what? Like, what is the? How is? What's the difference with the Bucks last year versus this year? It was pretty simple for Milwaukee this offseason. It's kind of similar to the Warriors. Not much room to move salary cap-wise. And the biggest question was, uh, how much did the owners want to spend? How, much, how far did they want to go into the tax to retain players? Uh, Warriors fans, your listeners know all about this. Uh, so for the Bucks, they had a couple of decisions to make, namely with Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton, two guys that have been mm-hmm. seriously important. And even if you go back to last year's finals, you get to the end of the NBA Finals, your rotation is down to seven guys, basically, eight guys max. Uh, and the two guys coming off the bench that played for the Bucks were Portis and Connaughton, and they played big minutes. I mean, these are guys that have been able to be trusted. They've thrived in their roles. So the Bucks dipped into the uh, into the uh, money bank, whatever you want to call it, the, the piggy bank, and and they and the owners were willing to pay. And they re-signed both of those guys on, on extensions, which I think most Bucks fans were... We're pretty excited about, and they were happy they were able to do that. Uh, the only other two guys they added, Joe Ingles, which is a big question mark, but I think if he comes back healthy, clearly I love Joe Ingles. So I hope uh, for his sake, also for the team's sake, but mostly because I love Joe, I hope yeah. he comes back and has a healthy uh, recovery because if he is healthy, I think he's another guy that will plug into the rotation. And then they drafted uh, Marjan Beauchamp, pick 24, who mm. is really a 6'8", 6'7", uh, Guy plays on the wing, defensive minded. Which, let's be honest, all teams are looking for guys that can defend multiple positions on the wing. So it was a pretty savvy pick at, at pick twenty four. So I wouldn't say the most exciting off season for fans in terms of bringing in new players, but I think they did what they had to do. Absolutely, man. I was going to ask you one player that uh, I thought was on the Warriors' radar um, for a free agency was Serge Ibaka. Uh, mm-hmm. He signed back with the with the Bucks, and I was disappointed because I thought he'd be a great fit for the Warriors. Kudos to your team for for grabbing him again and re-signing him. Was it a was it a minimum? Like, do you know what the contract details were that? Because uh, that just actually formally was announced, right? Yeah. So th- so okay. that's a that's a that's a minimum deal. Uh, and oh. we've spoken about it a little bit, and I was probably surprised, uh, mostly because I thought without speaking to Serge, I thought that he would believe that he still got something left in the tank to really play. And there's always injuries, and he will play during the regular season, I'm sure. But when push comes to shove, if the Bucks are healthy, and you've got Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, there's only so many minutes to go around. And as we saw <laughs> in last year's postseason, he wasn't playing in the playoffs. So I was a little surprised that he came back. Because I, I did I did think that maybe there would be more attractive options if he wanted to go to a place where he thought there was a definitive playoff role. Uh, also, maybe I'm underselling where he's at in his career, and maybe there is a playoff role. So I might be wrong. Yeah, I, I think if he I think if he's healthy, he plays and he could make a huge impact. I've always liked him as a player. Um what and Joe Joe Ingles, obviously, you know, for for the anyone watching who is clueless about what you were just referencing, he's an Australian, <laughs> just like you. Uh, and you know, I've and to this day, I, I I'm happy to say that I've never met an Aussie I've never liked in all my world travels, man. You people, you I know you and the Kiwis clash sometimes, but I've <laughs> but I, I love both your crews, man. You just you you get life, and I, I think you all understand 
what the true healthy lifestyle is. Uh, and you figured it out, man. Kudos to you for that. Um, and your culture and your, your whatever you, whatever you want to uh, nomenclature, you want to uh, refer to that. Uh, is Joe Ingles a top five all-time Aussie player? Wow. That is an interesting question that I haven't really thought about. So who have we got in the top five all-time players? Ben I, Simmons, maybe? Is he yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, the Ben Simmons, he's certainly on the trajectory. And like the argument is, even if Ben Simmons finishes his career right now and never plays again, individual awards wise, he's going to, you know, he, he has to be up there for the all-star appearances, the defensive stuff, everything that he's done. Um, but for longevity, I think for most Australians, they would look at guys like, obviously, Andrew Bogan, um, who your listeners obviously know very well. Uh, yeah, Paddy Mills for everything he's done for the national team yes. and also won an NBA championship. Good call. Uh, Andrew Gaze, who I'm not sure how familiar your listeners are, but Andrew Gaze is, a, is an Australian legend. I, the best uh, you know, men's Australian player. And if you want to put in mm. women, Lauren Jackson is... Lauren Jackson is by far the most decorated Australian player, uh, you know, men or women. Um, so, okay. yeah, there's some good guys, but Ingles will be up there. He's part of, like, the super, super popular Australian national team core with uh, Paddy Mills and Bogut and Aaron Baines and Daly. Those guys are all – those five guys are the, you know, it's uh, the people love them here from what they've done for yeah. Australian basketball. Absolutely, man. Um and then there's a player that used to play for you, for you folks. And I think for the Locked On hmm. Warriors uh, audience, uh, they, they've, they're really curious about this. I'm curious about this, too, because one of the Warriors' uh, new acquisitions this offseason, and the hope partly, if not largely, is that this man is going to replace Gary Payne II, both uh, clearly defensively. They're going to need to fill that hole somehow. Um, but this player can also handle the ball. He can also score, and that's Dante DiVincenzo. He played for your team for a large number of years. Um, he was on the championship team, even though he got injured at the start of the playoffs. I think the first game, right? If I remember correctly, mm -hmm. or even before that, what, tell me, dude, give me the whole spiel, man. You, I will, I will shut up for even 10 minutes. You want to talk for 10 minutes straight. What can Dub Nation expect from Dante DiVincenzo? Well, this, uh, I got to tell you, this is one of the signings that when you see it come through, you're like, damn, that's a, that's a shame because I, I do think, uh, in terms of for the rest of the league, because this looks like a really great value signing for me anyway. So, okay, uh, DiVincenzo, and if I can just go back a little bit. So I've, I've, been, yeah. I've been looking at your, your Twitter feed and how you've sort of gone through this off-season. Uh-huh. Uh, so I understand. <laughs> well, that's yes. right. So I understand, unless I'm wrong, uh, that you were very disappointed with GP2 signing elsewhere. Is that? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Dude. I, I, I still think he's incredibly undervalued. Um, yep. I think he, he, yeah, I am disappointed. I understand it, especially now that they signed uh, uh, Jamichael Green. I'm a, I'm feeling a lot better. Overall, you basically, the Warriors basically did this. They traded Gary Payne II, Otto Porter Jr., and Nemanja Bielitsa for James Wiseman, for Dante DiVincenzo, and for Jamichael Green. And in the process, even though I shouldn't give any you-know-what about a billionaire saving yep. $60 million since that's his chump change to them, Look, man, you saved $60 million. I respect it. it. You didn't really dip, I don't think. But yeah, so that's where we are. Correct. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you and, and <laughs> go off there. Yeah. No, you described it perfectly because this is this is the way I sort of look at it as someone that, you know, has no ties to the worries. I say, okay, well, there has to be a line. And again, we always talk about it. And Frank Madden, my co-host at Locked on Bucks, always speaks about it he's like it's not our job to care about 
the owner's money or the tax. Like that's that's why do we care? But there is a point, and I think there has to be an understanding of a point of where the line is, and you have to say, okay, what makes sense for the franchise? You know, moving forward, not just this year. How do you maintain mm-hmm. flexibility? So for me, again, when I look at like, and when I look at an organization like the Warriors, and I feel similarly with the Bucks. If you lose GP2, I'm genuinely curious to see how he looks on a team that is not as good as the Warriors. Like, I'm fair. curious. That's fair. But Dante is a guy, to me, that I think is is absolutely primed to help a contending team mm. in, in, in the role, in a role player spot. Because we saw mm. he went to Sacramento. He was coming back off an injury and didn't play too well uh, with the Kings there. But I thought he was in a fantastic spot in Milwaukee. Ultimately, Milwaukee had to make a decision. They traded him for basically Brooke Lopez insurance and Serge Ibaka. So there are a lot of Bucks fans out there that are like, damn, Serge Ibaka didn't play in the playoffs. The Bucks ended up losing Chris Milton. DiVincenzo would have been incredibly important. Oh, but they made a decision. They made a decision that, that backfired. Yeah, yeah when you so they made a decision way. that backfired. And, <laughs> yeah. And it's, and, and, and it's a shame. So now there are certainly sections of Bucks fans that are like, you're kidding me. Now he signed at the Warriors after we just gave him away for what they say is nothing. I disagree with that, but that's the that's the prevailing feeling feeling. So DiVincenzo is a is a good role player. Uh the thing that makes me optimistic about him is his three-point shooting. So he's he's known as kind of a streaky shooter, but I think we have to acknowledge the progress that he's made. Okay. 27% as a rookie. Second year, 34%. Third year, 38%. And he was down in Milwaukee. He was down to 29, but he only played a handful of games coming back from injury. But in his time with the Kings, even though overall he didn't play great basketball, he was 37%. So that tells me that you can realistically believe that DiVincenzo is going to be a 36, 37 plus percent three-point shooter. And if he's playing alongside Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole and these guys, what kind of looks is he going to get? And can he be a 38 plus percent three-point shooter that provides really disruptive defense. He's not necessarily a one-on-one lockdown guy. Like he's not GP2 in that regard, not at all. But he's disruptive. He creates steals. He creates transition opportunities, which we know for the Warriors is absolute gold. So I I just think that he's a guy that'll play every night. You can really rely on him. Mike Budenholzer never plays rookies if he doesn't think they can uh, handle the defensive stuff. DiVincenzo played from day one. He he, so I I think he's a he's a guy that'll play every night for the Warriors. Oh my God, that is poetry right there. You are just if you're trying to make me happy, sir. Bravo. <laughs> um, what is he? Are there certain parts of the court uh where he's a better three point shooter than others? Like Gary Payne the second, for example, his corner three was legit. You like like he could hit those all day, but anywhere else, and it was really sketchy. Like, is Divincenzo have certain strong points uh, in terms of his three point shooting, or is it just an overall thing? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about the Bucks, certainly going back a few years ago, is that they didn't actually take a lot of corner threes. So a lot of the threes would come in from above the break. So there's no concerns in terms of DiVincenzo. Is he limited to just being a corner three guy? He'll knock him down from you know, above the break. And you'll see, and I'm curious to see how it looks in, in the Warriors, but he's, he does not lack confidence. Let's just say that. He'll take some shots that, I mean, he used to take shots that if you're a Bucks fan, you'd be like, Oh my goodness. Oh, he hit it. That's a great shot. Or if he misses it, it's like, oh my goodness. So yeah, he's not shy. He's not shy at all. Uh oh. The di- the difference between DiVincenzo that will make him a really, really good player, or he'll continue to be a valuable role player, which by the way, nothing wrong with that, particularly nope. on a contending team. But the difference on whether you know he'll make serious money moving forward 
uh, or he'll continue to be, you know, that fourth to sixth best player is his finishing at the rim. It's it's not mm. great. It's not great at all. And it's continued to trend down. It's He's a guy that can get work off the dribble. He can get to his spot off the dribble, but he just hasn't had the touch finishing. But I do wonder whether a big part of that is just how interrupted his career has been with the numerous injuries that he's had every single year. He hasn't had a clean run at it. So, yeah, we'll see. But the finishing at the rim does leave a, a fair bit to be desired. Interesting. If you don't mind, uh, one more question about DiVincenzo and then uh... – Look, we're doing a crossover. I have some questions about the Bucks as well. What, what is the defensive issue there? Like, why is he missing so many games? Are these freak injuries? Is this something that plagues him? Is it a specific part of his body? I'm not very familiar with the, the specific injuries. Um, is, it, is it a legitimate concern to worry about for the rest of his career, or have these been more like freakish? Your thoughts? Hard to say, but uh, the Warriors do have a history of the players with lower leg injuries that seem to overcome that, uh, shall we say. <laughs> but Steven Chanzo, his rookie season, I mean, he had some issues through college with ankles and stuff. Uh, his first season in the NBA, he was out for a lengthy period of time with heel bursitis, which I don't know how common that injury is, but anyone that's had uh, heel issues before, incredibly painful. You're not going to I'm be dealing with basketball. that now. Have you, have you ever had a heel injury in your life? Because I've, I've my first and one ever, walk. and it sucks. It yeah. sucks. I've had it for so, a month. I'm limping like a like an old man, dude. Like, and I'm not young, that, but I shouldn't be limping like this. I do. I'm like, yeah, it's horrible. I, is that what that is? It's heel bursitis. That's what I haven't he seen had. a doctor tomorrow. Yeah. Finally, oh my god. So he missed. <laughs> so he missed. Uh, you know, extended period of time as a rookie, uh, and then the injury you referenced uh, in the championship run, which clearly was a big shame for him. The Bucks are winning a title, and he's getting around on a little scooter. Was a was an ankle ligament injury, which. Uh, you know, again, do you tie that to previous lower injuries that he's had in his past? Was it a freak accident? You know, who knows? Who knows? He came yeah. back sort of halfway through last season and he, and he played out the rest of the season. So, yeah, I mean, he's genuinely a guy that I've always liked. He's been a, a little bit of criticism for Bucks fans, but I think part of that just comes from a contending team and you need every player to be consistent in their role. And he's been a little bit up and down, but I do think part of that has just been... Uh, he hasn't been able to stay on the floor, and that's got to be difficult yeah. for a young player. And again, it's just crazy when you when you put it the way you did. Budenholzer was starting him, uh, mm. a rookie, as a, in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's not normal. I, you're absolutely right, um, dude. I'm looking at this Bucks roster right now, and thank you so much, by the way. You have like just completely made my night with this <laughs> Divincenzo news. Hey, if like, it doesn't fully... work out. If it doesn't work out, we're coming you know, for you. We're coming for yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, obviously. Um, but I'm looking at the, the Bucks depth chart, and, and and kudos for getting Bobby Bobby Porter's back because I love him. What's his nickname? Like Crazy Eyes or whatever people call him. Which is it is funny, as you know, I, I laugh at those references. But dude, I'm looking at this team. I, I there's a lot of players in your team that I just I love. Like they're guys that I would take on my team any day. Like Drew Holiday, but like. I feel so bad for him that they lost that Celtic series because I, if he was symbolic of an individual who was giving his heart and soul on the basketball court and causing a lot of problems to the Celtics, Giannis goes without saying, you're right. You miss Brooke, Brooke Lopez for like the whole year until the very end. Um, I, I love your lineup. How are you? Tell your, your listeners and, and as well, tell the Warriors fans, because I do think there's a strong possibility it's Warriors bucks in the NBA finals next year. What are you liking about your team, man? Like, like, what are you feeling about them? And and can the I don't know what the name of the Bucks fan base is, the nickname, but are they? Is there an excitement there for a championship run? Like, just dude, go away, fire away, please. So people get, and I'm generally more optimistic than most throughout whatever circumstance. But 
there is a general a general pessimism, I guess, or or maybe not pessimism, but a concern because people get so and I don't know whether it's Bucks fans that have been there for a long time or it's Giannis fans. I don't know how to separate that. Uh, <laughs> but but there is a general uh, the or the feedback I certainly get a lot. There is a a big section of people that are like, well, the Bucks better win a title because they're wasting Giannis's prime, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, to me, we've spoken about it. Like, it's really, really hard to win a title. Like, it's yes. really, really hard. And you need things yes. to break your way. You can't afford to have key injuries. And the Bucks are no different. The Bucks are built a little bit different to a lot of teams because they don't have... They've got one out-and-out superstar who I think you referenced, I agree, best player in the game. Yeah. But then, but then they've got two guys in Drew Holiday and Chris Milton that are just really, really high-level players, but they're not superstars, which is fine. Which they're is superstars fine. in exactly. what they bring to the team. Exactly. But what, what the position that leaves you in is that you really desperately, there's not much fallback. If you lose a Chris Milton, then all of a sudden you need Grayson Allen to be a star player. You need these guys. So it's no different to, to other teams, but when we've seen other teams in the past, whether it's LeBron's teams with three superstars, even what Brooklyn were trying to do, the Bucks are just built a little bit different. They're a team. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's kind of it's kind of rare. And I think the Warriors certainly, and maybe not the KD Warriors, but the previous Warriors and even to last year's Warriors fit in that mm-hmm. sort of team model. So Same. Yep. I, th- I think they're really good. And the other reason why I think they're so reliable is because there's no drama. I mean, you look at the guys in the Bucks locker room. They, they, I remember Chris Milton a few years ago was asked about it. And he said, yeah, we've got a no asshole policy. And he's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, these guys are just... There is never a drama about the Bucks. Like you can say they're boring. That's totally fine in terms of personalities and that because you never hear from Chris Milton. You never hear from Drew Holiday. They just go and play. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right, man. We talked about it on this show as well that Bob Myers and the criteria, his his checklist of what he looks for in a player to add, character is like right up there, man. Like if you are if you're not a high character individual, um, you are not a member of that team. And I think that same applies to the Bucks. Yeah, look, man, I, I don't like a lot of other teams. I just, I just, you know, whether it's rivalry re- reasons, whether it's <laughs> people running the show, the players, whatever it is. But the Bucks, I've I've always loved, especially during the Giannis era. Um, I was incredibly disappointed because of that injury uh, uh to Middleton, because it's just a shame, man, that that one player's injury costs your team, like you said, a, a chance at a championship when it is the hardest thing to accomplish in sports. Um, who like who's who's the biggest rival? Is it the Celtics? Is anyone else really a, a concern for the Bucks in the Eastern Conference? I don't, I don't, I don't think the Heat are going to be as good next year unless they make serious changes. So I don't see anyone else besides the Celtics. I know the Sixers made some moves, but I'm sorry, man. Like a James Harden-led team to me does not threaten the Bucks. Um, who is a threat to the Bucks besides maybe the Celtics, or, or do, do you feel confident the Eastern Conference is theirs? Well, I think the East is in a little bit of a holding pattern, and you could argue the whole NBA is, but because there's a big it question is. on there is a big question on Brooklyn, and you know, realistically, if they said, well, or if they figure it out somehow, and all of a sudden you got KD and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, and everyone's happy, then you have to say Brooklyn is is a contender, in my opinion. I think it's a no-brainer. So Brooklyn, it's a holding pattern with Brooklyn, which then also includes Miami. Do they somehow, with their, in my opinion, substandard trade package, yes, get a, get a player? I don't know. So Miami is a question mark. So I, I just think it's a little bit of a holding pattern. But to your point, yeah, I think Boston, based on what they were able to do, like can they repeat that? 
Probably. I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are still still young. I think we should acknowledge that. Uh, the Bucs and the Celtics have also played in the playoffs now three times in the last five years. So there's wow. a healthy there's a healthy rivalry building between those two teams mm-hmm. as well. And and let's be honest, it wouldn't surprise anyone if they play each other again in the postseason this year. You're absolutely right, man. I and let me ask you this, because because the, the the Nets are run by a dirty Kiwi, you know those Weasley <laughs> sons of bitches, right? I mean, who can trust them? Uh, I'm just teasing, obviously, but uh, but no, sir, but I mean, you're right. They're holding the entire NBA up, and yeah. I, I, to me, I think it's almost insulting what Sean Marks is asking for for KD. Would you agree? Like, I mean, the, the only reported trade we know is that he went to the Timberwolves and asked for Anthony Edwards. I still just can't believe what I'm saying. That every time I say this out loud, I cringe, man, because it's it's insulting. If I was the Timberwolves and someone approached me with this offer, I just almost, I almost want to hit him, man. It would be so, I'd be so offended. Like to ask for Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns and four first round picks for an aging mooding moody superstar. Um, I, I it's you're right, he's holding up the whole league right now, and it's all because like he's overvalued KD so much, and he I don't think he wants to swallow his pride and and accept that he does not have this asset that he thinks he does. I, I, am I am I a little over the top saying this? What are, what are your thoughts on that? So I'll reference Ben Simmons last year because we obviously got asked about this a lot. So my opinion with the whole Ben Simmons situation was, why rush? If you're, uh, if you're, uh, where the hell is he playing? Philadelphia. If you're Philadelphia, why, why rush? Like ultimately, if you're, to me, if you're the Nets, now, unless Kevin Durant said, by the way, he's under contract, obviously, for multiple years. So. Four, yeah. yeah. Is he is he going to do the Ben Simmons thing and just stay at home? Pro- I, I don't see that because I think Kevin Durant loves playing basketball. My, again, that's just my guess. I, don't I would agree. Know. I would agree. Yeah. So I, I think he's going to play. So if I'm Brooklyn and I say, okay, well, let's see who's who's serious about trading for Kevin Durant. We've just seen Rudy Gobert. No one cares about first round picks anymore. Traded for seven billion first round <sighs> picks. So if you're the Nets, you're like, well, Kevin Durant's a better player than Rudy Gobert. So I uh. When I, they are clearly everyone's waiting to see what happens with Kevin Durant. Yes. The whole NBA, the Lakers, the Nets, Sixers, Heat, whoever else is your the the bloody Warriors. Everyone's waiting to see like what happens here. But if I'm the Nets, don't rush. Why would you rush? It's July. Yeah, uh, the only thing you're you're right. Logically, you're right. My only comeback to that will be the more the longer you keep these players, the bigger of a distraction you maintain, and the bigger cancer you have just sitting in that locker room wanting mm. out and and because of your ego you're just holding on to them um i you know it's it's i don't know man i and i've never seen and this is the other weird thing is i've never seen a superstar who's demanded a trade my, my friend brought this up and he's right and and have his trade request not be granted um i think anthony davis was is an example of that where i think he might have played a game or two and then eventually the trade the lakers happened um so it's a weird situation because all indications are durant wants his trade he wants out but the Nets are just kind of, like you said, they're just sitting pat. They don't feel like they're rushed. They have them under a guaranteed contract. So it's a weird situation. And and I, I follow your logic. I do. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. I just don't see the benefit either. And because keep, keeping Simmons around with the Sixers last year, that was a question these guys were facing all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was disgruntled. So like, like you know, he he was his relationships with the other players was damaged. I just don't like that distraction on my team. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather just get it out of there sooner the better and, but you're right, man. At the same time, why rush it? They do have that leverage. It's crazy, well, the, man. The final point I'll make is that if you're Brooklyn, like regardless of what happened last year, it's Kevin Durant. 
Like if you can like find a way where you sort out, I don't know what the difference is, but whatever the difference is, if you can sort it out, then you want to keep him. I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. So that's fair. Give it some time. Well, I'll tell. I'll tell this to fences. <laughs> well, I'll t- I will tell this to your fans. Uh, I think the Nets are absolutely not a threat to the Bucks if they decide to run it back okay. with that same team. I okay. don't see any defense on that team at all. I don't see one person on that team. You tell me this. Do you think Ben Simmons can stop Giannis? Uh, well, not by himself, but no one can. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no one can. Yeah. But certainly yeah. no one can come close on the Nets. I just, yeah. dude, the Bucks are going to clean shop with that team. The only thread, in my opinion, is is the Celtics in the East, and and a lot of it depends on whether or not Tatum takes that next step because he's going to need to. He clearly needs to, um, and whether or not uh, those acquisitions of Gallinari and uh, and and Malcolm Brogdon pay off. Are we done, man? Do you have any last questions? I think we we covered most bases. We're good. I think we're good. As usual with every podcast I do, we like let's keep it to thirty, and it gets to forty, but that's the way it operates. You know, (laughs) (laughs) kind of we can't help ourselves. I love it. I'm with you, man. I'm 100 with you. Oh, dude, I I apologize so much for that. <laughs> way over 30, man. Kane, man, this is a pleasure, brother. I hope we do this again soon. It was fun talking basketball with you. You're down in Aussie land. It's is it cold there? Like, cause you're because people forget you have winter while we have summer and vice versa. Is it cold? Crazy. Hit zero. Hit zero degrees Celsius today, which is like uh, Celsius, 30, not Fahrenheit. Yeah, Just yeah. Everyone like calm down. Everyone. Yeah, 32. So. Cold for us, anyway, here in Australia. It's cold. So. Yeah, that's cold. That's cold. I'm a Californian, that's man. That's cold. Absolutely. You can follow <laughs> Kane Pittman on Twitter at Kane Pittman. You can follow me, Cyrus Sotsis, on Twitter at Show. My show Twitter account for Locked On Warriors is Locked On Dubs. Is it Locked On Bucks for you? It certainly is. There you go, man. We are done, I believe. Thanks, Kane. That was a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you.